BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I think that question of am I trying to win their affection or their approval, their affection or their attention is a really helpful like filter to run your decisions through, you know, it is. And another thing that helps too, I do this often is I swap out the person. I think, okay, if this were not Jordan Mm -hmm. asking me to do this, it were so-and-so let's say my sister-in-law who's got to love me regardless, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would probably say no to her but oh it's Jordan Mm -hmm. I want her to like me Jordan's cool and I want Mm -hmm. her to be my friend you know Mm -hmm. so swapping out the person too really helps us Mm -hmm. to say you know to kind of to untangle that yeah like why am I really doing are we really saying yes because we feel called to the task Mm -hmm. and because God's calling us or am I saying it because it's Jordan Mm -hmm. you know so I swap out people in my mind yeah that's that's a really helpful tool I love that You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Karen, welcome to She. Jordan, how you doing? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you here. I have really looked forward to this conversation and especially this topic that we're going to talk about when it comes to people pleasing and breaking the pattern of people pleasing. I think this can be so hard for us and especially for women who have, you know, a servant's heart, women who want to help others. And just in general, I think there's a lot of pressure on us too to kind of be all things to all people. So I'm really looking forward to this. But before we dive in, for those who aren't familiar with you or with your background, can you share a little bit about what you do and how you got to what you're doing now? Sure. Well, I, my whole life, have loved to write and I've loved to talk. (laughs) Same. (laughs) It's the thing that people used to always comment on about, you know, talk about when I was little, they would comment on me and say, man, can that girl talk? It used to get me in trouble (laughs) in school. It's what actually attracted my husband to me. He said he loved the way that I could work a room and make mm-hmm. everybody feel included. And then mm-hmm. about three days into our honeymoon, he thought, when's she ever going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you know, he, he always tells me that if I pass away before he does, he knows what he's going to put on my tombstone. Ready for it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a period. Oh, my She's gosh. Done talking. But done you know, talking. I've loved to talk my whole, my whole life and always wanted to write, always wanted to help other women and be in ministry. And so here I am, a Mm. wife of my college sweetheart, mom of three plus two bonus children by marriage. And I just love to write books that help encourage women to uh, live their priorities and and reflect the gospel to the people that are watching. And most of my books are written from a place of weakness, something I've really struggled with Mm -hmm. that God has met me through. And I just want to help other people by 
telling them what I've I've learned that's yeah. helped me. And so that's especially the case with this people-pleasing book. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I completely relate. Everything I've written or shared about is usually from a place of struggle or weakness, like you said. And I think, I think that's really important, you know, because then you can kind of speak from a place of experience and understanding. Because I don't know, I think if we're just writing like, ah, oh, I have all the solutions, here you go, you know, it, it it's completely unrelatable, but I love that you are humble enough. And, and I think that recognizing that to share, you know, what's been helpful, but also kind of share as you're still on the journey. I don't know. And I'd be curious what your thought is about this, but even when it comes to a topic like people pleasing, which is a huge part of what we're going to talk about today, I wonder if that's something you ever completely overcome or if it's just something you improve at over time and just get better about being more aware of. What is your thought on that? Like, cause I think about comparison or something and it's like, man, I've come a long way in my struggle with comparison, but I wouldn't say there's never been an an instance in the last you know year where I haven't thought something or struggled with something, but I don't necessarily get stuck in it as long, but it's not something I'm like, as a human, just never going to struggle with ever again. So I'm curious what your th- thought is on that and any struggle, but especially when something like people-pleasing. Yeah, I like to look at it that it's not an issue to overcome. I think we, we think, oh, I've got issues. You know, I've got to <laughs> overcome this issue. For me, people pleasing was not an issue to overcome. It's attention to manage. It's always going to be attention to my life. I'm always going to have to manage it. I used to do a very poor job managing it. And now I do better. I've seen progress. There's not perfection, obviously, mm-hmm. but I've seen progress. And when you look at it as attention to manage, then you don't have this frustration that the issue hasn't gone away. Because I think for whatever it is that you struggle with, comparisons, contentment, people pleasing, watching your words, that's another big one of mine. When you think it's going to be this issue that's just going to suddenly disappear, Mm -hmm. and one morning you're going to wake up and you're not going to struggle at all with it anymore, Mm -hmm. that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so it frustrates us. So I just expect it to show up in my life constantly, weekly, daily. I expect it to show up. But what is different is now I know how to deal with it better. And so I can manage that tension without feeling like I have to just completely conquer it and overcome it. And it's just going to go away and I'm going to live happily ever after because that's rarely the case. Yeah, totally. Okay. So speaking of that, you have written about the daily battle of people pleasing. And I would love if you can share your own experience of struggling with this. Like, When did you have a realization or recognize like, oh, wow, this has really become a struggle. And I know you took a summer to do only what was truly necessary. And I'd love if you can walk us through what that journey looked like for you. Not only kind of the realization that maybe this is something you're struggling with in a really maybe unhealthy way, but also tell us about that summer. Sure. So I have struggled with people pleasing my whole life. I grew up in a broken home where my father had a problem with alcoholism. He was abusive toward my mother mostly, but my brother and I also. And so I grew up in this home that was pretty volatile and I learned really quickly, don't make dad mad. If you make dad mad, you might get hit. Mm -hmm. Now I have to always stop there and and say when he wasn't drinking, he was the best dad in the world, Mm -hmm. but it was when he drank. Mm -hmm. And the last about 25 years of his life, he stopped drinking and he became the most wonderful dad and grandpa in the world. And my kids don't even know the old grandpa. So it has a a good redemptive end of it. But at that time in my life, I just learned, don't make dad mad. Mm -hmm. Don't upset him because you never know what might go flying across the room. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I learned, don't make mom sad. My mom wasn't violent, but she just had this ache in her life because her white picket dreams, you know, had come 
crashing down. All she ever wanted to do was be a super involved woman in her community, down mm-hmm. at the school, wife and mom. She really didn't um, need to work outside the home. My dad made plenty of money and mm-hmm. she just loved her life. And all of a sudden it was ripped out from under mm-hmm. her. So I learned, don't make dad mad. Don't make mom sad. And that carried over mm-hmm. into other relationships. I really wanted to please my teachers. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to upset any kids in my class because I wanted them to like me. And mm-hmm. I soon just became trapped in this pattern of always making sure everyone around me was okay. Mm-hmm. No matter what it was doing to me, I make sure nobody's sad, nobody's mad. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with, with it for decades until that summer that you speak of about, let's see, now it's been four years ago. Yeah, four, about four and a half years ago, I had this very simple request come in from my very best friend from college. And I said yes to her, even though everything within me was saying, don't say yes, don't Mm -hmm. say yes. I just said, sure, I can do that. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't a huge ask. It wasn't a huge responsibility. She was asking for me to help her with. But I just knew when I hung up the phone that I had answered wrongly. I grabbed Mm -hmm. some tissues and my phone and I went out to the back of our property where we have a little strip of woods and a fire pit. And I sat there bawling, just Mm -hmm. bawling, knowing that I was trapped in a prison of people pleasing. I didn't know how to get out. And so I kind of whipped out my phone. I looked up some verses. I put in the words people and pleasing and mm-hmm. scripture and found out there's actually verses on that. And I really felt like over the next couple of days, as I processed it with my husband, as I realized what it was doing, mm-hmm. Jordan, to my not just mental health, but my physical health, I had a left eye that would not stop twitching. Mm-hmm. I could not get to sleep at night. And when I did, I would wake up several times in the night. I was just starting to have like physical things happen too. I knew that something needed to change. And I felt God kind of nudging me to take what I termed a season, for me, it was a summer, of necessary and no. And by that, I mean, I did only what was necessary for my family, my job, and my home. And I said no to everything else for three whole months. And it might sound a little extreme because it was even like saying no to good things, Mm -hmm. easy things like making cookies for the toddler class at church. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I realized I'd been doing that for over a quarter of a century. You know, Mm -hmm. for over 25 years, I'd been saying yes every time somebody at church needed something. But I completely backed out of everything. I gave people a couple weeks notice, but I just shut it down. And I decided Mm -hmm. I am doing only things for my family, my home, and my my job, my Mm -hmm. ministry. And I'm going to say no to everything else. Don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how everyone's going to take it. And there were mi- there were mixed reactions. We can talk about that if you want. But <laughs> it was it was pivotal for mm-hmm. me to realize that I had to stop this pattern mm-hmm. of making everybody else happy while making myself miserable. Yeah, yeah, I love I love what you said. I think people pleasing that is the exact uh, issue, or at least one major issue with people pleasing. It's making everyone else happy while you are hurting or while you are miserable in the process. And then I think the the problem with that even more, if you go a layer deeper is, you know, I think about like, especially I think Christian women struggle with this a lot, but I think we all can regardless. But, you know, I think the reality is when we show up because we're afraid to disappoint someone by saying no, but we show up with kind of like a begrudging attitude or we're just like completely spent and we're not able to cheerfully serve, be cheerfully generous, whatever. Like it kind of misses the health, like the heart of what it's meant, what it's supposed to mean to be a servant to others, right? Like when you're doing it with like from a place of bitterness or it's like stirring resentment in you or it's your family is paying the price, your health is paying the price, your relationship with God is paying the price because you're trying to please everybody else. It's like, well, that's where it becomes a problem. You know, it's like a cheerful heart is part of what makes a healthy and good 
and faithful servant, you know? And I think we just miss that part because we're like, well, if I'm doing it, I'm being a good person, you know? So yeah. I do I do want to hear about the mixed reactions. Um, and I think in kind of that same line of conversation, I want to talk a little bit about what you've learned about how to discern what pleases God versus what pleases people. So as you told people that you were making this decision or you were going to take this time to kind of focus only on what was necessary and back out of some things that maybe you had been doing for a long time or that other people had come to expect of you. I'd love to hear about their reactions and what this whole journey taught you about what it means to and discern what it means to please God rather than just trying to please people. Sure. So I feel like the reactions kind of fell into three categories. There were some people, this was the majority of people, that were disappointed, that were bummed because mm-hmm. no longer could I meet their need and help them with their responsibility. And so they weren't happy, but they they weren't angry with me. They just kind of said, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, thanks for letting me know. And they went on their way. The second category of people were people that weren't happy at all and let me know. So like, well, now who, how am I supposed to mm-hmm. do this or who am I supposed to find? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is all on me. I should have never said yes in the first place. I offered to help try to find a replacement. I offered to pray for them about it. I offered to brainstorm with them. But there were some people that just were not happy. And you know what? I really never heard from them again. Wow. So it became evident to me that I wasn't really their friend. And these weren't people that I would say were close friends. But they, that I considered them friends or church friends or community friends. And mm-hmm. I thought they liked me for me, but they liked me for what I could do for mm-hmm. them. Because mm-hmm. I'm that awful, I'm not super big into the Enneagram, but I do feel it's helpful. Mm-hmm. But I'm that awful combination of a three wing two, which is an achiever yeah. and a helper. <laughs> Pretty so sure I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, so people come to me because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, she's a good at done gal and she likes to help people. She'll mm-hmm. take care of my problem. Mm-hmm. So some of the people I never saw again, but I'm telling you, a couple of them, including my best friend, from college who had asked me to do the thing that sent me over the edge. She was like Jesus to me. I mean, she mm-hmm. completely understood. She said, you know what? It's okay. I'll mm-hmm. find somebody else to do that task. I care more about your mental health. And so I'm going to be checking on you every couple of weeks to make sure that you are continuing to say no and that you clear your plate. And then mm-hmm. you only put back on what God's calling you to do when the end of those three months are up. I think this is a great plan. I can see that you do struggle with people pleasing. And I'm I'm going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And I'm telling you, that was so just comforting to me and reassuring to me that I made the right choice. And especially with that person, she had someone in her life that had struggled a lot with people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And they actually ended up having a mental breakdown. Wow. And she didn't want me to go where they had gone. And so she was just fabulous. But for the most part, people were like, they were bummed, but they got over it. But there were some people that I never heard from again. And I think, you know, when we talk about deciding, you know, what, how do you decide between what pleases people Mm -hmm. and what pleases God? I think it really, Jordan, it comes down to me from motives Mm -hmm. to motives. You know, when I think about somebody asking me to do something, I think, why am I saying yes? Mm -hmm. Am I saying yes? Because I truly feel like I'm supposed to say yes. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, this is, you know, up my alley. I've got the bandwidth in my life to do it. I feel Mm -hmm. like God's kind of nudging me to do this. Or is it because I'm trying to either elicit or prevent a certain response? You know, I'm trying to get them to really like me or I'm trying to not make them disappointed. Mm -hmm. And the key verse, and this was the one that I ended up looking up when I went out to the fire pit that first day when I was so upset about all this. There's a great verse in Galatians 1.10 that says this, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? 
if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in the original Greek language, I just love this. The word for please is aresko, A-R-E-S-K-O. And at its core, it means this. It means to meet someone else's expectations, to willingly serve, or, and this is my favorite, to agree to satisfy another person in order to win their approval, affection, or attention. Hmm. So their approval, I want them to like me. Their affection, I want them to love me. Or their attention, I just want them to notice me. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing something because we want to be liked, loved, or noticed, we just want to meet someone's expectations, we are putting pleasing people above pleasing God. It's kind of like we're putting people in the place of God. Not that there aren't times, obviously, when doing something that will please another person does please God, Mm -hmm. but it's those times when there's that tension and you're Mm -hmm. like, I just really don't feel like I'm called to do this but I feel capable. They think I'm available. I don't want there to be awkwardness in our friendship. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just say yes, even though everything within me is screaming no. And then exactly what you mentioned a minute ago happens. You do something begrudgingly yeah, because you're saying yes to too many things. If we are guilty of over-serving, because yes, we're good Christian girls, we want to serve. But when we're guilty of over-serving and saying yes to too many things, then the joy goes right out of it Mm -hmm. because we're not doing those few things we were called to do with joy. And here's the flip side of it. We are taking the joy away from the person God intended to do that task in the first place. Mm -hmm. If we're saying yes to everything, Mm -hmm. we don't give them a chance to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it said that like the right no is better than the wrong yes. And I think so often we give the wrong yeses because we just have a hard time discerning that. And like you said, we rob someone who it would have been the right yes for of that opportunity to serve or to learn something or to be in community with these people or whatever it might be. But I really love what you shared about that word. Did you say the word is aresco? Is that, is that yes. how it's pronounced? Yep, it's aresco. Okay. And it is A-R-E-S-K-O. Okay. The emphasis is on the last. So fascinating. Aresco. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. That really is the root of people pleasing is trying to win their approval, their affection, or their attention. I love mm-hmm. that. And I love how you broke that down. I think that definition is super helpful too because it helps discern Am I, you know, doing this to please God or to please people? Because like you said, oftentimes serving or, you know, selflessly meeting another's needs is pleasing to God, right? But I think when you can ask yourself that question of, am I doing this solely to win their approval, their affection, or their attention? That really helps us understand our underlying motive for saying yes, because it's like, you know, if we might say, yeah, I just really want them to notice me and like, I want them to be my friend or I want them to like me. So I'm going to do this thing to see if they'll, you know, to, to try to, you know, help that or whatever, rather than am I doing this from a selfless place of just like, no, I just know I'm called to this and this feels like what I'm supposed to do. You know, I think that question of, am I trying to win their affection or their approval, their affection or their attention is a really helpful like filter to run your decisions it through, is. you know? It is. And another thing that helps too, I do this often, is I swap out the person. I think, okay, if this were not Jordan mm-hmm. asking me to do this, it were so-and-so. So let's say my sister-in-law who's got to love me regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would probably say no to her, but, oh, it's Jordan. Mm. I want her to like me. Jordan's cool. And I want Mm. her to be my friend, you know? Mm -hmm. So swapping out the person too really helps us Mm. to say, you know, to kind of untangle that. Yeah. Like, why am I really doing this? Are we really saying yes? Because we feel called to the task Mm -hmm. and because God's calling us 
or am I saying it because it's Jordan, mm-hmm. you know? So I swap out people in my mind. And yeah, that's, that's a really helpful tool. I love that. Okay, something else I'd love to just get your thoughts on thoughts on are, what would you say to those who feel like saying no or setting boundaries makes them selfish or maybe even a poor Christian, especially for those who find themselves navigating the tension between following God's call to serve others and creating time for rest and other priorities in their personal life? Well, I think we need to really realize that sometimes, you know, these over-serving, it's really a strength carried to an extreme that then Mm -hmm. becomes a weakness. Although Mm -hmm. in our home, we don't say weakness, we say a Mm non-strength. So we need to recognize that first, that sometimes, you know, it's not that we're a bad Christian, you know, it's that we're letting that strength of serving get out of hand, which actually makes us, you know, ineffective. But when we think about the tension between following God's call to serve and creating time for rest and other priorities, we've got to realize that, you know, we are not the savior of the world. We can't do it all. Mm-hmm. We have this thing called limitations mm-hmm. <laughs> that we women, especially <laughs> Christian women, don't ever want to admit mm-hmm. that we have. And it sets up a pattern in our life when we just continually ignore the limitations, ignore our bodies, cry mm-hmm. for rest, ignore the other priorities in our life. Because I'm telling you, it's super easy to put your family on the back burner and go meet the needs of the rest of the world that want to Mm -hmm. like you. And I did that for years. Did you see? My new book, Embrace Your Almost, is officially out in the world. And I can't believe it's available to you anywhere books are sold. You can grab it from Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. There's some special editions out there too. Target has an exclusive edition. Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both have signed editions. And you can also get it at local independent bookstores. Anywhere books are sold, you should be able to find it. So if you are walking through a season of unmet expectations or disappointment or broken dreams or waiting or uncertainty, this book will bless your life. If you are not in one of those seasons, but you're just not entirely sure what's next for you, this book will bless your life. And if you have a loved one or a friend or a sister who's walking through a season like that, who's dealing with unmet expectations or broken dreams or uncertainty or waiting, this book will be such a great gift for her or something to pass on to her. So if that sounds like something you need or something a loved one in your life needs, grab a copy. Grab a copy from Amazon. Grab a copy from Barnes & Noble, from Target, from anywhere books are sold. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And I cannot wait to not only get this message in your hands, but also for you to pass on this message and share it because I believe it's more than a message. It's a movement. So as you listen, as you go about your day, I would love for you to put it in order, grab a copy and start reading as soon as it arrives at your door. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next and I stayed on budget. 
Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. I can specifically remember one time my little sweet boy, he was probably six at the time, Mitchell. He came around the corner in our kitchen and he saw blueberry pie cooling on the counter. And he said, oh, homemade blueberry pie. And then just as quickly as he'd shown his excitement, his countenance fell and he said, oh, who's it for? Because he knew it probably mm-hmm. wasn't for our family. I was out there trying to impress somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like making, you know, I was one of these people when they said so-and-so needed a meal brought in, I had to pull out all the stops and impress them. And it's really easy to put our family on the back burner and set mm-hmm. up this pattern of, of ignoring our priorities, ignoring our body's call for rest mm-hmm. and not properly managing that tension between pleasing God and, and pleasing other people. And mm-hmm. soon we find that we are addicted to approval. We've become mm-hmm. approval addicts. So mm-hmm. I actually, in the book, I have these seven stop it statements mm-hmm. I call there. I, I like to think that they're these little one sentence sermons I preach to myself. Mm-hmm. I have them a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I like to put them places where I will see them often. So I just want to mention just a couple. Yeah. If that's be okay. Because I think yes, they're really helpful. <laughs> I think they're really helpful. So one of them that I tell myself often is this that every need is not necessarily my call. Mm-hmm. Just because I hear of a need doesn't mean it's my call. Another one is that other people's happiness is not my assignment. Mm-hmm. And that's the one I've had to learn from childhood that mm-hmm. it's not my assignment to make everyone happy. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking back, that was a huge thing to have put on my shoulders as a child. It's Mm -hmm. like I almost didn't have a childhood. I had to grow up really fast Mm -hmm. and make sure that everybody in my life was happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing is, and this has been 
something I really learned through that season of necessary and no, and I'm still learning today, is that you can still say yes to a friendship while saying no to a request from a friend. Mm -hmm. So just because you're going to tell them no Mm -hmm. when they ask you to do something doesn't mean you're saying no to the friendship. You can still Mm -hmm. say yes to the friendship. And I find it's best to just be honest about it and Mm -hmm. say like, hey, Jordan, you know, I know you asked me to do this thing. And I'm sure you came to me because you think I'm capable and you're hoping that I have the time and stuff. But I just have to be honest with you. I hesitate telling you no because I love you and Mm -hmm. I don't want there to be this awkwardness in our friendship. But I've got to tell you, I'm not your girl. I'm not Mm going to do a good job because I just don't have the time right now. Mm -hmm. And just be honest. You Mm -hmm. can still say yes to a friendship. Yeah, You can still brainstorm with them. You can still pray with them about who they might ask. And then another one, this is this last one, I won't tell all of them, but kind of speaks to the flip side of people pleasing, Mm -hmm. if I can describe it that way. So one side of people pleasing is saying yes to people all the time because you want them to like you. You don't want to upset them. You don't want to make them sad. So we say yes to people when we don't want to. But the flip side of it is sometimes we say no to God because we are afraid of the reaction of someone else. And so we don't do what God's calling us to do because we're afraid someone in our life won't approve of it. Mm. And so my little one sentence sermon that I say to myself, and I've had to say this often, it's this, you don't need that person's permission to do God's will. You don't. If God is calling you to do something, I had a, a friend who really felt that their family was called to do foster care. And then to turn that foster care into adoption. And there were a couple people in her extended family that were like, "Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh, no way. Don't you expect me if you do that to treat those grandkids, those kids like they're my own grandkids. They're not. And she was so distraught. We met one time for coffee and she was so distraught. And then a couple weeks later, we met again and her countenance had completely changed. And I said, what's different? And she said, you know what? I just realized I don't need my extended family's permission to do God's will. My husband and I were doing this. We're going to mm-hmm. do it. And eventually the family came around and they fell in love with those kids and it all ended well. But I think how it could have stopped. My, my sass would be like, Mm-mm, you're not coming around. <laughs> I'd be like, how about well, you just stay over there? That was rude. Yeah. yeah <laughs> maybe I should, I maybe I should work on forgiveness. Maybe that's my. <laughs> there you go. But I do think how that could have stopped her. Mm-hmm. And I think how in my past, it stopped me sometimes from doing things because it, it stopped me almost from going into ministry. I'll never forget, Jordan, the first time I had a speaking engagement outside of my state. So I wasn't just hopping in my car and mm-hmm. driving someplace local to get paid in a potted plant mm-hmm. or a $5 Starbucks card. You know, mm-hmm. I had a real speaking engagement where I had to mm-hmm. get on a plane and fly to Texas. There was someone in my extended family that said to me, well, you're going to Texas this weekend. Tell me, what could the women in Texas possibly need to hear that you have to say? Wow. And I remember thinking, they're right. What, what do the women in Texas need to hear mm-hmm. that I have to And I totally doubted myself because I felt like I needed everybody's permission mm-hmm. to do this thing. I felt like God mm-hmm. was calling me. I mean, if God's calling me, everyone's going to cheer me on, right? Mm-hmm. And it almost stopped me. So yeah. I think that's another good one-sentence sermon to preach to yourself. You mm-hmm. don't need that person's permission to do God's will. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I think that... So often, like what you just touched on at the end of that, when you were saying like, you know, if if God's calling me, everyone's going to approve of it. Like, I think that's something that I've learned a lot in my faith journey is like sometimes the hardest, to, like sometimes I think we think if if it's God's will or it's something we're called to, it should fall into place, right? Like the the right decision is the one that seems the most easy, right? And I think in mm-hmm. reality, 
a lot of times the right decision can be the one that you experience the most resistance with. Uh, the thing you're actually called to is the thing that you come, like when you come up against resistance, like I think that's when we really need to pay attention, you know, versus when, so, and it's not to say God doesn't just like part the sea and open doors at times and things just fall into place when you're obedient. But a lot of times obedience or, you know, pursuing God's will does not come without resistance. And I think when we're trying to discern like, well, which must be the right decision, we sometimes assume like, well, this seems to be really like working or just seems easy. Like maybe that's what God's doing. Maybe he's blowing the doors open. And so it really does take some discernment because I think we can quickly, like you said, the resistance we come up against or the lack of permission or approval, if you will, can be the thing that deters us or makes us think like, huh, well, I must not be called to this or this must not be for me. Mm -hmm. And and what's interesting is it switches up all the time. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it is easy, you know, the path to something God wants me to do. And then the next time it's like so hard. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. this must not be right because it's so hard. But then no, I realize that is what I'm called to do. It's not, there's mm-hmm. not like a rhyme or reason to it, mm-hmm. but you're exactly right. Sometimes you feel resistance. Sometimes you don't. You really need to be discerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So another thought or another question I wanted to just run by you is what does it look like on a practical level to then live out your own priorities rather than caving to the opinions or expectations of other people. Like as you're trying to discern what is God's will and preaching these mini sermons to yourself, which I just love, how do we actually live out? Because I think we list our priorities. And if I were asked or you were asked or anyone was asked, like, what are your priorities? We'd probably name a couple of things that are the most important to us. But then the way we live our life doesn't always seem to align with that. And so I'd be curious, like, do you have any practical advice for living out those priorities rather than just caving to the opinions, the expectations, or the approval of others as we're kind of in this line of conversation around permission and approval from others? Well, I think step one is something you just kind of mentioned is to write down on paper what you would say your top priorities were are. Mm-hmm. If someone were to ask you, like, what are your top five, or your top seven priorities, mm-hmm. list them out in order, mm-hmm. then take an honest evaluation of how you spend your time mm-hmm. and look and see if how you spend your time aligns with what you say your priorities are. Now, mm-hmm. it's not a super cut and dried thing. Like if you're going to say God's number one, of course you can't spend more time having uh, time alone with God per week than you do at your full-time job. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. I'm saying the amount of attention and focus that you give to those priorities, really kind of look and see if they line up and if they don't, mm-hmm. you know, make some adjustments. And I think it's going to sound like a, a cliche answer, but really being in God's word mm-hmm. and really saturating yourself in scripture that talks about pleasing God, that talks about the fear of man over the fear of God, that talks about these, you know, verses about pleasing people to really have God's word Mm. in your heart and to also make it a matter of prayer. Again, that sounds super cliche, but you know, Mm. it says in James, we do not have because we do not ask. Mm. So ask God, I mean, in the morning, I, I pray this silly little prayer and I just say, Lord, today, I know there are going to be opportunities that come my way, asks that come my way. And things that people want me to do for them. Mm-hmm. Will you please tap me on the heart when they're from you? And when they're not, give me the boldness to speak the truth and love. To just be honest and mm-hmm. to say, I'd love to say yes. My heart would love to say yes. But mm-hmm. the reality of my schedule means I need to say no. And I think to have some like go-to statements mm-hmm. that will be in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. So that when you feel like you really want to live your priorities and you know that this ask in front of you, whether it's an actual person standing in front of you or it's on your phone screen or your email Mm -hmm. screen to have some go-to statements like, Mm -hmm. you know, while I would really love to help, I simply don't have the bandwidth right now Mm -hmm. to be of any assistance. Or, you know what, I just have to let you know that God's been really dealing with me about taking on too many responsibilities outside my home. 
So I'm in a season right now of not taking on anything new right now. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with you or your, or your request. I'm just going to stick to what I feel God's called me mm-hmm. to. And I'm just saying no right now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, things like, I'm really sorry to hear about your situation. And even though I can't help remedy it, let's brainstorm somebody else you might ask. Or let mm-hmm. me help pray, you know, with you about that. Mm-hmm. To just say out loud some things that you're honestly, you're feeling in order to just kind of give you a springboard mm-hmm. and in a a place to start when you feel that awkwardness. Like, I really feel like this is not in God's lineup for me, but there's this person here Mm -hmm. and I don't want to make them feel, you know, like I don't like them or, you know, be upset or whatever. So I'm just going to start with this statement. And then I find once I get those first few words out of my mouth, I can explain better the rest of it. If not, I feel like I do a really poor job and Mm -hmm. it's like my mouth is falling down the stairs because I'm like over explaining and and getting myself into trouble. Yeah. No, I actually was going to ask about that. Like I think sometimes I I like that you gave these examples because I know I found like when I try to over explain or I try to give like a really clear reason, like come up with some reason I can, or if I have a legit reason, they'll go, oh, well, you could just work it in here. Like they'll try to brainstorm with you, like how you can make it work when you're trying to say no. And so I'm curious if you've ever experienced that too, but I do really like those examples because I know when I've said, hey, like I'm taking this season just to not add anything else to my plate, like make it more of like across the board, I'm saying no versus I'm saying no to you because then it feels less like it feels less personal. That's a really helpful way to not mm-hmm. add anything more to your plate. It's it's honest. You're not trying to come up with like an like you're not trying to over explain or justify your decision. But I, yeah, I'd be curious what your thoughts are. Like, where can you get into trouble if you start over explaining? How does why? Why do you recommend against that? Yes. I tell people all the time, don't give a litany of excuses because when you start to over explain, all it does is it put up, it puts up targets for them to shoot at Mm -hmm. and they're going to, they're going to shoot it down. I'll give you an example that just happened to me, Jordan, just happened to me. So because I'm an author, I get asked a ton to endorse people's books and Mm -hmm. I love to do that. Mm -hmm. I love to help out new authors, you know, Mm -hmm. however, I can't do it for, uh, I get over 50 a year and mm-hmm. I just can't endorse 50 bucks a year. Yeah. So I got somebody that I'd never heard of before, did not know her. She asked me if I would endorse her book. And I think she said she met me in an elevator at a conference once. And mm-hmm. so I think she felt permission like mm-hmm. to ask me, bless her brave heart. But I said to her, I, I, I gave a litany of excuses. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just really don't have time in my schedule to meet that, you know, November 1st deadline. And she wanted to send me like an electronic copy. I'm like, well, I don't do electronic copies. I mm-hmm. want a hard copy so I can do it on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just gave all these different things. You mm-hmm. know, I can't do it because of the time. I can't do it because of this. I can't do that. But thank you for asking. Oh, she guess what she did? She came back and she took down all of those mm-hmm. <laughs> excuses I'd given. She's like, oh, I just asked my publisher. They will give you six more weeks. I'm, what's your address? I'm going to send you a hard copy. And she mm-hmm. took down all this. If I had just... Mm-hmm not given a litany of excuses Mm -hmm. and said to her, thank you so much for your request. Unfortunately, I only take a certain amount of Mm -hmm. endorsements per year and I am full for this year, but Mm -hmm. know that I am proud of you and I'm cheering you on. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Have a great day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have have heard from her. Mm -hmm. So another thing is, I think is helpful besides not giving a litany of excuses is this. I say announce, don't apologize. Whenever we apologize and say, oh, you know, even like when it's returning somebody's phone call or text Mm -hmm. message, you know, I get people that get really irritated with me that I don't pick up the phone the minute they call. When Mm -hmm. I call back, I'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm I'm just getting back to returning your call or whatever. No, don't apologize. Just Mm -hmm. announce. Say, Mm -hmm. I finally had time in my day today to listen to your voicemail. Mm -hmm. 
just announce. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just had time to listen. And here's my answer. Instead of apologizing all the time, because mm-hmm. it's like giving them control over you. Yeah. And I think another thing too, and I've touched on this a little bit, is to just be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've learned about people pleasing through this whole journey is that people pleasers often lie. We do. Mm-hmm. We, we glaze our phrases with just a little bit of untruth, mm-hmm. you know, to try to soften the blow or to try to, you know, whatever. And I think we just need to be honest and and to say upfront what we're thinking and to and to to take anything personal out of it. And like you mentioned, you know, just say, I'm just saying no to everything right now. Mm-hmm. It's nothing personal. I love you to pieces. If this had been in a different month on my schedule, I might've been able to say yes, but for mm-hmm. right now, this is my November of no or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and just be honest with them. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I'm glad that you covered a lot of that because my next question was going to be what tips you have for implementing boundaries with people who are pushy or make us feel guilty. And I would assume that not giving a litany of excuses and just kind of not having to explain and announcing, not apologizing, I would imagine those are probably your tips. Do you have any others or are those the two that you typically go to? Those are my typical ones. But one thing I will say is you really got to learn to control your phone and not mm-hmm. let other people control you through your phone, mm-hmm. not have it be the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I can think of people and I'm sure you can too. Like if right now I asked everybody listening to think of somebody in their life that if, if I told you, I'm going to give you a hundred dollar bill, if you can text somebody in your contact list that you know is going to text you back immediately, mm-hmm. we could all do it, right? Mm-hmm. We could all go, oh, I know who it is. For me, it'd be my cousin, Jamie. Mm-hmm. The minute I text, the minute I post someone online, he's the first like. Mm-hmm. You know those people that are tethered to their phone. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, if I said, I'll give you a hundred bucks, if you can text someone and you know you probably won't hear from them for three days, mm-hmm. we would know that. And so what we need to remember with our cell phones is that through our cell phones, we are teaching other people how to treat us. We are teaching them how much access, how quick of access they get to us. And that's where we get into trouble a lot. Because mm-hmm. like, just think back to the old, old, old days when I was a little girl. We lived in a, a house that had a landmine. And we didn't even, we couldn't even afford an answering machine. So there were answering machines around. I'm not that old. But mm-hmm. we didn't even have an answering machine. So if someone called my mom mm-hmm. and wanted something and she didn't pick up or mm-hmm. she wasn't home, the burden was on that person to keep calling back until they got her. Mm-hmm. And now everything has flipped. There are dozens of ways people can get to, to you. They can leave you a voicemail. They can send you an email. They can send you a direct message in social media. Mm-hmm. They can text you. And now the ball's in your court. Mm-hmm. And so we really need to learn to have some some guidelines on mm-hmm. how we use our phone. And I've started to, to, you know, I was that person that used to text back instantly. And now people know I'm not going to text back. Mm-hmm. until after seven o'clock at night, unless it's something to do with work yeah. or it's one of my family members that really, really needs something. And it's right. not like, where's the ketchup in the fridge? Nothing bad, but right. it's like right. really something that they need. But other than that, until my work day's done, mm-hmm. I've made supper, cleaned up the kitchen and now I'm sitting here. You're not going to hear from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in doing that, I'm teaching people how to treat me. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's very concerning to me, this direct and instant access people think they have mm-hmm. to you all the time. And it's also, I mean, it's a whole nother another uh, show probably that it's doing something to our brains Mm -hmm. and how we function and how we concentrate and how Mm we are or are not productive Mm -hmm. because we are constantly toggling between tasks because we're letting our phone distract us and our phone is distracting us by other people trying to get to us through it. Yeah, it's so true. I think setting that boundary and, and like you said, kind of teaching people how to like what to expect from us in terms of communication and availability like that alone just even how quickly you respond or how available you are in terms of being able to contact that does actually speak 
volumes because if people feel like you're always available for them via communication, they're going to expect you to be available for anything they need or any requests they might have or anything else. Like it translates to then the requests that may be made. Even if like you're texting them back while you're working on four other things, they don't know that. And so to them, it's like, oh, great. She's free. You know? Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Exactly. So good. Karen, this has been so valuable and so practical, but also really, I think, inspiring and encouraging for those of us who find ourselves struggling with this or just not really sure how to start getting out of some of these people-pleasing habits and improving upon them. I don't know that we ever reach a level of perfection where we never struggle with people-pleasing again, but being more aware, being more disciplined, having a few tools in our tool belt and practices to break some of those habits. And like you said, teach other people how to treat you, teach them how to know what to expect. And also even just some one-liners or phrases we can say when we want to say no, but we're also trying to make sure we're not just giving a litany of excuses or targets for them to hit when people are pushy. Like this has just been a really good mix of a lot of encouragement, wisdom, practical tools we can use. So I just want to say thank you for everything that you've shared and for the work that you do. And I'd love if you can tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can learn more and also where they can get your book on people pleasing if they want more on this topic. Sure. I think the best place is just to go to my website, KarenEman.com and Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there they can see I've got a lot of freebie things for people. I'm, my books are both mostly in the relationship based categories, faith-based relationships. Mm-hmm. So I've got like some date night questions there mm-hmm. that are fun and some other free download things and some free five-day challenges that they can take advantage of. All my social media accounts are there to just easily click on and they can also see about the book when making others happy is making you miserable and there's a lot of different places they could purchase it and if they purchase it for me I will also sign it for them so it's worth a quarter more at their garage sale someday awesome 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 (laughs) (laughs) I love it well thank you for being here thank you for everything that you've shared it's been really encouraging to me and I know it will be so encouraging to those who listen thanks for having me Jordan it's been my pleasure I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking the screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.